This is Front Page. We here at Front Page, we do our best to dig out the truth and bring it to you. Hello, all you freedom-loving people. Welcome to Front Page Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Cameron Goulet. During Thanksgiving, the entire United States was in a festive mood, but life went on as usual in other parts of the world. Actually, there are some dramatic changes that are taking place. Hamas is releasing some hostages every day in accordance with the ceasefire agreement. It also seems likely that more hostages will be released. Following the election of the Trump-style Malay in Argentina, Geert Wilders, the right-wing conservative leader of Holland, won his election. This will put pressure on the European Union. There is an outbreak of an unidentified pneumonia in mainland China. Could this be a new epidemic in China? So why have the last few outbreaks started in China? Okay, let's get into it. After Hamas and Israel reached a temporary ceasefire agreement, the two sides began exchanging hostages and prisoners on November 24th. Hamas released a batch of hostages on the 24th, 25th, and on the 26th, totaling 58 people. Hamas released 24 hostages on the 24th, including 13 Israeli hostages and 11 foreigners, and another 17 hostages were released on the 25th, including 13 Israeli hostages and four Thai citizens. The third batch of hostages released on the 26th included 13 Israelis, three Thais, and a Russian. Hamas said that the release of the Russian hostage was in response to the efforts of Russian President Vladimir Putin and as a show of appreciation for Moscow's position on the war. The Russian-Israeli citizen was the first male hostage to be freed. Among the hostages released was Abigail Adan, a four-year-old Israeli-American girl. She was kidnapped by Hamas on October 7th when she was three years old. She celebrated her birthday and in captivity, and very tragically, both her parents were killed by Hamas. 14 Thai hostages and one Filipino hostage have been released as a part of another agreement between Hamas and the Egyptian government. A video of a nine-year-old hostage, Emily Hand, meeting her father, Thomas Hand, has been circulating on social media. Hand is an immigrant from Ireland. After the Hamas raid on October 7th, Hand was originally told that Emily had been killed in the raid. But because Emily's remains were never found, Hand never gave up hope. Now he is reunited with his daughter and she is back with her beloved dog. Today is the last day of the four-day pause in the fighting between Israel and Hamas in the Gaza Strip. However, the Israeli government has said that for every 10 hostages released by Hamas, an additional day of suspension will be granted. It could be extended day by day, Michael Herzog, the Israeli ambassador to the U.S., said on Sunday. He also said the deal was 50 hostages, four days of pause. And for each and every, if they produce 10 hostages, they get another day of pause. So that's the key. That's the deal. On Sunday, Hamas for the first time said it would seek to extend the deal by looking to release a large number of hostages. Also, Elon Musk landed in Israel on Monday for talks with Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. During their visit, Musk and Netanyahu toured a kibbutz where Hamas slaughtered 1,400 Jews in its first attack. Musk noted, that while civilians on both sides have died, Israel tries to avoid civilian casualties, but Hamas tries to kill both Israeli civilians and Palestinian civilians. Moreover, Hamas takes joy in civilian deaths on both sides.
Even so, Elon Musk reached an agreement in principle for the use of SpaceX's Starlink communications for humanitarian purposes in the Gaza Strip. Shlomo Karhi, the Israeli communications minister who originally opposed the idea, changed his tune and said Starlink satellite units can only be operated in Israel with the approval of the Israeli Minister of Communications, including the Gaza Strip. Geert Wilders, the right-wing conservative in the Netherlands, has thrown a shockwave through European politics with his resounding victory in the general election. Geert Wilders is the leader of the Freedom Party. He has been dubbed the Dutch Trump. Wilders is openly anti-Islamic. He has vowed to call a halt to all immigration, to cut payments from the Netherlands to the European Union, and to prevent any new member states, including Ukraine, from joining the European Union. He was equally unambiguous on the issue of the Chinese Communist Party, the CCP. In June to October of 2020, he called for the CCP to be held accountable for the COVID-19 outbreak. The Freedom Party was originally ranked third or fourth in terms of polling support during the election. But the last poll released just before the vote flipped and put the Freedom Party in the first position. This was unexpected by everyone. Was this always the case, or did the Freedom Party surge in popularity just at the end? His party for freedom won 37 of the 150 seats. This is more than double the party's previous 17 seats. And this was well ahead of the 25 seats of the Labour-Green Coalition and the 24 seats of the Conservative Liberal Democrats, led by outgoing Prime Minister Mark Rutte. The Dutch center-right daily news, NRC, reported that Wilder's historic election victory on Wednesday exceeded all expectations and it ended the Rutte era. The Dutch parliament has 150 seats. Therefore, Wilder's needs to form a coalition with other parties to govern. Multi-party coalitions are the norm in the Netherlands. His conservative rhetoric and behavior have discouraged other parties from governing in a coalition with him in the past, but Wilders is confident of forming a new government. The search for a coalition partner began on Thursday, and it will have wide-ranging consequences in the Netherlands and in Europe. Wilders' victory is a warning to mainstream European parties that the European Parliament elections next June may center on the same themes as those in the Netherlands, which is immigration, cost of living, and climate change. Hungarian Prime Minister Viktor Orban congratulated Wilders on his victory, saying, the winds of change are here. Congratulations to Geert Wilders on winning the Dutch elections. Not only in the Netherlands, but also in Germany and France, domestic problems and weak economic growth have caused a shift to the right. While insisting that the Netherlands is not France, French Finance Minister Bruno Le Maire acknowledged that the Dutch election showed that Europe is emerging with concerns about immigration and the economy. French right activists are ecstatic about Wilder's victory. Marine Le Pen said, It is precisely because there are those who refuse to see the national torch extinguished that there is still hope for change in Europe. Matteo Salvini, Italy's deputy prime minister and leader of the right-wing coalition, said that the Dutch vote showed the promise of a new Europe. Last year, Italy elected conservative Giorgia Maloney to form the most right-wing government since World War II. Two months before Wilder's victory, Robert Fico, 
who was also a populist, returned to power in Slovakia. Fico promised to stop military aid to Ukraine and reduce immigration. However, not all countries in Europe have shifted to the right. In Poland, the pro-European Union party, the Law and Justice Party, won last month's election. There's global concern about an unidentified pneumonia outbreak in China. A large number of children have been hospitalized with this type of pneumonia, which is also affecting several provinces and cities in China. In the past month or so, emergency rooms at children's hospitals in numerous cities in China have been overwhelmed with several times the usual number of patients. Meanwhile, schools are reporting high levels of absenteeism. So why are these cases of concern now? This is because this pneumonia contracted by children in China is not typical of mycoplasma pneumonia, which is usually the leading cause of hospitalization for pneumonia in U.S. children. Its symptoms are different from those of mycoplasmal pneumonia. It is very likely a new type of disease that we don't yet understand. On November 21st, the Global Infectious Disease Surveillance Network, ProMed, quoted a civilian of Beijing as saying that the main symptom of the pediatric patients was fever without cough. Many children had CT scans with pulmonary nodules. Whether they were vaccinated is unknown. ProMed editors said that the unexplained pneumonia in the Chinese children was not typical of mycoplasma pneumonia. This is because mycoplasma usually causes patchy infiltration rather than the nodular findings that were seen on the x-rays. Mycoplasma pneumonia is easily treated. But a pediatrician at a Beijing hospital told the Epoch Times that there is no effective medicine for this infection. He tried all the medicines that can treat mycoplasma pneumonia, but none of them worked. So he suspects that this is not mycoplasma pneumonia. Another reason for concern about the outbreak is that it is not yet clear when it began, and ProMed said it was unusual that so many children were affected so quickly. ProMed's post on November 22nd mentioned a doctor's report that an unidentified outbreak of pneumonia in Chinese children is consistent with the mycoplasma pneumonia that was reported in the media over the past two months. So could it be that the so-called mycoplasma pneumonia patients were actually infected with this type of unidentified pneumonia? The CCP authorities have listed mycoplasma along with robdovirus and COVID-19 virus as the causative agents of the epidemic. It can be seen that since the first outbreak of COVID-19 at the end of 2019, the plague has never really stopped or disappeared, despite the fact that the CCP officials have repeatedly given different names to the virus over the past three years or so in order to cover up the outbreak in China. The biggest difference between this wave of pneumonia and the previous wave is that apart from adults and the elderly, a large number of children have already been infected one after another and some of them have already died. In the midst of the ongoing turmoil and fear of the unknown, many people seem to be aware of a coming disaster, but they are at a loss of what to do. People have wondered, what is the cause of such a pandemic? How can we avoid it and what will happen next? The Bible contains dozens of references to plagues, clearly stating that plagues are God's punishment for those who turn their backs on God and for those who disobey the will of heaven. There is no such thing as an accidental plague. 
Nowadays, many people do not believe in the existence of God, so this kind of statement in the Bible is regarded as superstition. However, if we look at history, we can see that the path of a plague was indeed traceable. Around 430 BC, the ancient Greeks were in a state of generalized degradation. The wealthy Athenians were licentious and indulgent. Promiscuity, incest, and homosexuality were considered fashionable. So does this sound a bit familiar? Does this sound like our world today? At that time, the Athenian bubonic plague came to Athens and it seemed that the plague had eyes. It came at only the Athenians. At that time, the Athenians captured many Peloponnesians in the Peloponnesian War and they took them to the city of Athens. However, there is no record of the Peloponnesians being infected by the bubonic plague. In the year 64 AD, Nero, the Roman tyrant, initiated the persecution of Christians. The next year, the city of Rome was struck by a plague that claimed over 30,000 lives. Three years later, Nero, the author of the persecution of the Christians, committed suicide on his way to flee the city. However, after Nero's death, his successors did not do any soul-searching. Ten monarchs of the Roman Empire were involved in the persecution of Christians, and too many people blindly followed and supported the persecution. As a result, four major plagues broke out. The plagues claimed the lives of multiple Roman monarchs. Some 60 to 80 million ancient Romans died in the plagues. The once magnificent Roman Empire, which spanned the three continents of Europe, Asia, and Africa, vanished into thin air. Historians have found that the ancient Roman plague was directed at the monarchs and villains who persecuted Christians. In contrast, Christians were generally immune to the plague. There is currently a severe persecution going on in China against 100 million people who practice Falun Dafa. Our channel has focused on this group many times. The method of repression used on Falun Gong are unheard of, even to the extent of harvesting the organs of healthy Falun Gong practitioners while they are still living, and in some cases they are still awake and conscious. David Mattis, a Canadian lawyer, called it a new form of evil, and the CCP sells their organs for profit. Although the orders for the crackdown of Falun Gong were given by the government, Many government officials and ordinary citizens actively participated in the crackdown and torture for financial gain and for their own benefit, and they show indifference to their fellow human beings. So there is a reason why the COVID-19 epidemic broke out in China three years ago. The COVID-19 epidemic was most severe in China and in the countries most supportive of the Chinese Communist Party. We have analyzed this in great detail in our previous reports. In particular, many of those who died at the end of 2022 were elderly Communist Party members and senior officials of the CCP. By this year, many young adults and children have also died in the plague. So is it time for God to settle accounts with the CCP? Some people may wonder, why the innocent children are being blamed for the evil acts of the CCP. As a matter of fact, the CCP has been intensifying the brainwashing of children. The slanderous remarks about Falun Gong have been written into some elementary school textbooks. Many children have been poisoned and they have a lot of CCP toxins in their brains. So they are not immune to the plague against the CCP. 
Throughout history, the arrival of plague after plague has demonstrated the majesty of the heavens as well as the compassion of God. The key is whether people can come to their senses outside in the midst of the ongoing plague. In the 17th century, Italy was in the latter part of the Renaissance and instant gratification was prevalent. Most people were disillusioned by the corruption of the clergy and they no longer believed in God. In March of the year 1630, an annual carnival was held in Italy. After three days of drinking and indulgence, there was an outbreak of the plague in Milan. Thousands of people died one after another. Half a year later, the plague gradually subsided, and by the beginning of the year 1631, it had basically disappeared. The Italians, who had suffered so much, thought that the plague had disappeared. Instead of reflecting on themselves, they continued to pursue the so-called liberation of humanity. In March of the following year, Milan still hosted a huge carnival. People drank and had wild orgies from nightfall until dawn. The plague broke out once again and it went completely out of control. This time many people died in an instant without even having a chance to seek medical attention. Milan became the city of death. By the fall of that year, when the plague subsided again, the population of Milan was almost halved. So, does the carnival scene in Milan remind anyone of anything? I just saw a news report that DHS has instructed U.S. Customs and Border Protection agents not to use he, him, she, her pronouns when dealing with illegal immigrants. Rather, they should use gender-neutral language and self-identifying pronouns and names of any members of the public that they interact with. So, so how close are we to the next disaster? Okay, this is our podcast for today. Thank you again for listening to Front Page Podcast. For more exclusive in-depth content, please go to frontpageshow.com.